Coming to you from Annapolis, Maryland, home of the U.S. Naval Academy, the sailing capital of the world, home of the world's largest crab feast, and four signers of the Declaration of Independence. This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, a daily roundup of local news that you can use, including local sports, local events, local opinion, and local weather from DMV Weather. Now here's your host, publisher of Eye on Annapolis, John Frenet. Good morning. It is Monday, January 22nd. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. There's been no movement over the weekend since the government shut down at midnight on Friday. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says that if the government reopened, he would address DACA, which seems to be the sticking point. The Senate will vote on ending the shutdown at noon on Monday. Amazing to me how 535 individuals can hold 2.8 million federal workers hostage along with everything else as it trickles down. More woes for the Housing Authority for the City of Annapolis. A recent appointee to the Board of Directors, John Dillon, has submitted his resignation to Mayor Gavin Buckley. He submitted his emailed resignation on Thursday, stating that he has grave doubts about the future of the taxpayer-funded entity. Dillon has a long career in public and low-income housing and in the finance industry and is the owner of Dillon Wealth Management based here in Annapolis. In his resignation, he cited the changing landscape with the new tax reform combined with the lack of financial experience on the board, namely no chief financial officer, investigations of HACA into irregular spending by the federal authorities, and ongoing security problems. With those issues, Dillon doubted whether the authority could ever be successful. Dillon is the second board member to resign since Buckley was elected mayor. Chip Dorden resigned from the board just days after the election. For the third consecutive year, BWI Marshall Airport has set a record for passengers and likely remain the busiest of the three airports in the Washington region. Reagan and Dulles have not yet reported their numbers, but BWI Marshall surpassed 26 million passengers in 2017, and it also has broken passenger records in 29 out of the last 30 months. Southwest Airlines, of course, is the top airline out of BWI, accounting for about half of the flights. If you're a reader, we've got some good news. The Anne Arundel County Public Library System is opening up a new branch, and this one's in a little bit of an unusual place, the Annapolis Mall. In late April, the library will open a 3,000-square-foot branch inside the Westfield Annapolis Mall. It will be located right near the Under Armour and Crate and Barrel stores in the west wing of the mall. The branch is going to have weekly early literacy programs, a Discovery Dock children's area, educational events for the kids and teenagers, and people will, of course, be able to check out books and DVDs, use the Wi-Fi and the public computers. Other amenities will include a self-checkout and a 3D printer. This will be a big help as the library on West Street prepares to close to be replaced in the next couple years. On Saturday, more than a 1,000 gathered at Lawyers Mall in Annapolis for the March to the Polls rally, which was a spinoff of last year's Women's March in Washington. The goal for 2018 is to be sure to vote and to put forth capable women on the ballot. Maryland's primary is June 26th with the general election on November 8th. 
The event began just after 11 a.m. with about 90 minutes worth of speeches from nearly 20 individuals, including Annapolis Mayor Gavin Buckley, Carl Snowden, representatives of several activist groups, all advocating for better representation across the board from local to county to state to federal races. One young woman in particular, Muheen Haq, a Muslim-American, spoke to the crowd and had a really moving two minutes. I encourage you to listen to her, and we have included a full audio version of the remarks at the very end of this daily news brief. After the rally, attendees took to the streets with a police escort and marched up College Avenue to Church Circle and down Main Street to City Dock, where another smaller rally was held allowing the general public and politicians to take the microphone for two minutes. There were no incidents of violence reported, and a Maryland Capitol Police officer familiar with rallies and protests told me that he estimated the crowd to be between 1,100 and 1,200. And do make sure you listen to Maheen's comments. They were really very strong, very moving, and I've included about an hour and a half worth of comments at the very end of this daily news brief. Hey, don't forget, if you have an Amazon Echo, we now have Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief as a skill. So you can just say, hey, Alexa, play the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, and she will bring you the most current briefing. Also, you can add it to your flash briefing, and if you're not sure what a flash briefing is, there are several news sources that you can pick to play all the news you need in the morning, say, when you're getting dressed. It could be WBAL, it could be WMAR, it could be the Wall Street Journal, CNN, AP, Financial Times out of London, The Weather Channel, or Ion Annapolis, or all of the above. Check it out. It's pretty cool. And if you do that, please give us a rating. They really do help. That's about it for the news. Stand by. We've got George Young with DMV Weather bringing you your local weather forecast. And we've got something from Kevin Chaney at Shellback Sports bringing you all of the local and regional sports that you can use. I'm Sean O'Neill, your local RBC Wealth Management Advisor. More than likely, the primary reason you save and invest is to achieve your life goals while ensuring your long-term financial well-being. But before you can determine your preparedness towards your goals, you need long-term answers to important questions about how much money you need, where it will come from, and how long it will last. RBC Wealth Plan, a new industry-leading tool, is now available to help answer these questions and develop your personal plan using a conversational approach. With RBC Wealth Plan, we can create a personal analysis based on these unique goals while offering you the ability to weigh certain decisions and determine what's best for you and your family. Call me, Sean O'Neill, today at 410-573-6723 for a complimentary consultation. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. This is Maryland. The weather can be nearly unpredictable. We've got George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis to sort it all out. Hey, everyone. This is George from DMV Weather with your Eye on Annapolis daily news brief forecast for Monday, January 22nd. After a great weekend with temps in the 50s and even 60s across the region, We'll have more 50s and 60s today and tomorrow as the cold front approaches from the west due to a storm moving through the northern plains and upper midwest of the United States. And with that front comes clouds today and showers late tonight and overnight into Tuesday before skies clear out. And we return to sunshine but colder temps Wednesday through Friday with high temps in the 40s and lows back down into the 20s and even teens. So enjoy the next couple of days temperature-wise before we return to more seasonal high temps later this week and allow for some extra time tomorrow for the morning commute as it might be a wet one out. Okay, that's it for us today. Be sure to download our free weather app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store on all of your devices by searching for DCMDVA Weather and follow us on our website at dmvweather.com 
or on Twitter or Facebook so you can always stay weather informed. This is George Young of DMV Weather with your Annapolis forecast. Make it a great week and remember, whatever the weather outside, have fun and be safe. I'm Sean O'Neill, your local RBC Wealth Management Advisor. When you choose to work with me, you'll have access to a worldwide network of financial products and services only available from a leading global institution. RBC's international reputation for physical strength and stability, world-class capabilities, and corporate values is unique in the financial services industry. I also recognize the importance of reinvesting in the communities in which we live and work, and I'm committed to serving my clients by building long-term relationships based on trust, integrity, and confidence. I look forward to helping you with your wealth management needs. Call me, Sean O'Neill, today at 410-573-6723 for a complimentary consultation. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. If you're looking for local sports... It's right here, right now, on the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Hey guys, Kevin from Shellback Sports with a county sports update. Starting with boys varsity basketball on Friday. Annapolis beat South River. Meade beat Northeast. North County beat Chesapeake. Broadneck beat Arundel. In girls varsity basketball on Friday, Meade beat Northeast. South River beat Annapolis. Chesapeake beat North County. Broadneck beat Arundel. Saverna Park beat Southern. And then on Saturday, girls varsity basketball continued. South River at Maryvale. South River won a close one, 45-40. Old Mill at Mount DeSale. Old Mill won 49-36. St. Mary's at Glen Burnie. St. Mary's won 57-30. And Saverna Park at Severn. Saverna Park won 46-38. In the NFL playoffs, Patriots wide receiver Danny Amendola caught the game-winning touchdown to send New England back to the Super Bowl. The Eagles booked their ticket to the Super Bowl after Nick Foles threw three touchdowns, beating the Vikings 38-7. That's all I got. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Sports and on Facebook at Shellback Sports. They say opinions are like... Here we are with a dose of opinion for you. On Saturday, I went down to Lawyers Mall in Annapolis to support the thousands of people that gathered for the March to the Polls rally in Annapolis. I'm not a good guesser of crowd size, but if I had to, I'd say there were about 1,200 people that had all come together for one great cause, recognizing that we need to come together as one and we need to affect change, and that change must start at the polls. I've always been an advocate for getting out there and voting, getting out there and being involved, getting out there and making your voice heard. Sometimes it's hard, and oftentimes it's a lot easier when you have 1,200 like-minded friends with you. The speakers at the rally ranged from newly elected Mayor Gavin Buckley to former Judge Claudia Barber, Carl Snowden, to a wonderfully insightful Muslim-American teen. Various representatives of activist groups, politicians, and just everyday people were invited to come up and speak. But as an outsider the wrong gender, and quite likely the wrong political party affiliation, I had some observations. If you are championing the cause for women, and you are championing the cause for women in Annapolis, how the hell do you neglect to have former Mayor Ellen Moyer on the stage? We don't forget other strong women in history. Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, Susan B. Anthony, Betsy Ross. But here, in Annapolis, how can we forget Ellen Moyer? Perhaps the organizers have not been around the area very long, and if that's the case, let me fill in some past history. Ellen Moyer was the first elected female mayor of Annapolis. Ellen Moyer was the executive director of the Maryland Commission for Women in the 1970s. Ellen Moyer, while mayor, established the Annapolis Conservancy Board and the city's Greenscape program. And no doubt if Lawyers Mall was not state property, 
she would have been responsible for the green space on which we were standing on Saturday. But Ellen was there. She was supporting the cause along with everybody else. She loves a good rally just as anybody else does. And together, we enjoyed the march from the sidewalk right outside of the Annapolis Ice Cream Company on Main Street. I will say that Mayor Buckley didn't forget to acknowledge her. He broke from the crowd, came out of the march, and had a few words with the former mayor. I can be, and I have been, very critical of Ellen over the years, but I do consider her a friend. But seriously, the next rally, Ellen Moyer needs to be on that list. In the beginning, Monica Lindsay, the MC, pointed out that the rally was all about positivity. She emphasized that negativity had no place on Saturday morning. But apparently there was an asterisk somewhere in there that I missed. While the rally in March was generally positive and uplifting, it seemed to really pick favorites. I'm not stumping for anybody, and I'm not a fan of our current president by any stretch of the imagination. But some of the anti-Trump signs bordered on vulgar, to the point where I would have been embarrassed to bring my children there. It seemed to be a little bit of a disconnect from the message of positivity. Now, I certainly didn't expect rainbow and unicorns for Trump either, but still... When any time a Republican office holder was mentioned, it was typically met with boos and jeers. One speaker told the crowd the goal of this year was to, quote, give shoe the boot. And I'm not going to say whether County Executive Shoe was doing a good job or a bad job, but let's be honest here. The negativity was welcome, as long as it was directed toward causes and people that were not on board with the specific mission of the rally on Saturday. And that's fine, but let's just be honest here. And speaking of honest, I have two words for you. Mahin Hak, and I really hope that I pronounced that correctly, just wow. Mahin is a 19-year-old Muslim American with a story to tell, and man, did she tell it eloquently. Call me jaded, but very little in this world will choke me up. But in two minutes, this teen figured it out. And you can hear her comments at about 25 minutes into the rally, which is appended at the end of this daily news brief. Mahane pointed out that we have a lot of work to do. And thank you, Mahane, for pointing that out to me and the 1,200 people that gathered there in Lawyers Mall. And for my fellow Americans, I do apologize for the way that you were treated. And that's what I've been thinking today. Thanks for listening to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief. If you like what you heard, make sure to tell your friends and colleagues about it. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find much more. Be sure to check out our other weekly podcast, The Maryland Crabs. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, this is John. Thank you for listening to our daily news brief. Stick around. I've got about an hour and a half of audio coming to you from March on Saturday. It was recorded in the field, so it's not the greatest audio, but it's certainly audible. And if you're looking to hear the inspiring teen that I had mentioned earlier, you can just skip ahead about 25 minutes, and it'll be right there. Uh, we also want to give a big shout-out to the She's the one responsible for those gorgeous signs the marchers are holding. So give Nicole Levy a round of applause. She's been a lot of time working on that. Second of all, just a reminder, this is a day of positivity, a day of energizing and empowering. So we want to keep everything positive. Please, please refrain from any negative chants. We don't want any negativity. 
integrate in, in uh, injecting itself into our event today. So all things positive. We're empowering our voices. We're gonna be heard and we're gonna make a difference. Just a reminder, if you feel motivated to speak, we will have an open call for speakers once we reach Susan Campbell Park. In order to be part of that open call for speakers, however, you do need to sign up. We have a table here next to our Thurgood Marshall statue. There's a green clipboard. If you feel like you want to take the mic for two minutes once we arrive at Susan Campbell Park, please make sure you put your name on the list. We do have a cutoff of 30 people, and how many people are on the list are there? All right, we've got spaces for 20 more people. So if you're feeling inspired, get over there and sign in. Also, along with that, the same table is a voter registration table. So if you haven't registered, vote, get to it. We need everybody to be registered and ready to roll for the polls, okay? So that table is going to be available for you here as well as one down at Susan Campbell Park after we complete the march. So you can register as young as 16 years old. So if you can't vote, you can't vote this electoral season, but you can be registered. So if you have a 16-year-old or up who needs to register to vote, there's a table right there for you. And if you're 18 before the primaries, you'll be able to vote this year. So welcome to the voting world. All right, so one other item. It's a fantastic perk of being here as a marcher. There are discounts available for those of you who showed up. Discounts at local merchants, including, uh, I'm sorry, Lemongrass, Metropolitan Kitchen. Metropolitan Kitchen, The Preserve, Chicken Roots, and Rutabaga Craft Juicery, along with Alpaca. All you have to do is when you go in, say March on the Polls, or Women Vote, and you will receive a discount. And on that note, I would like to thank the incredible owners of women-owned businesses who have decided today that they want to join us and they've decided to close their doors during our rally in March in order to be out here. If they could just raise their hands for recognition. here in Annapolis, one of many coordinators who are fantastic people. I have one here to my right, Barbara Weber. Uh, Randy, where's Randy? Randy. Uh, any other? Well, tons of people who are involved in organizing this march and making it happen today. And Eve wanted to send her regards for not being able to join us today because she was invited to stand um, in and be a speaker on the national March in Washington, D.C. So our purple 
thanking our police officers who are serving. They are keeping us safe. They are shutting down the roads so that we will be able to march through the streets. Um, and they are here today to help us out. And um, I also want to thank every person here who came out. Thank you. Everyone watching the live stream on the Arundel Patriot, being live stream live here. And of course, all our teachers who are lined up behind, who are ready to, to kick this rally off with rounding speeches that are going to inspire and energize us in a very short amount of time because we are on a schedule. <laughs> all right. I'd like to introduce to you now Barbara Weber. Barbara Weber is a Weber Consulting and Media Company, and she's going to share message with us. Good morning! Are we ready to march? All right! So, Eve couldn't be here because she's in D.C., and she had a huge, huge announcement to make today, so I am helping her make that. So I just want to see if you can repeat after me. Operation... Operation. Marching. Marching. Orders. Orders. Remember that. Today we are launching Operation Marching Orders. You can use your phone. Just use .org after that. Operation Marching Orders. It's a national poll that March On has created where you can add the issues that you care about to the poll. And then we can hold our leadership accountable. So starting today, like right now, go to operationmarchingorders.org, register yourself so your voice can be heard. You can host a party, you can attend a party, you can write up stuff, whatever you want. This is to give you the voice in what's going on in our country. So, operation. Marching. Marching. Orders. Orders. Okay, the trick is between now and January 31st, that's the open period, to be able to get in 
your voices and what you care about. So how many of you would be willing to attend an Operation Marching Orders party? How many of you would be willing to host an Operation Marching Orders party? Well, that's your marching orders. But truly it's about giving marching orders to the people that we elect who represent our voice. This is to give you the power and you the voice. So have a great day today. Keep the energy up and make sure to make your voices heard. Thank you. Thank you so much, Barbara. So on January 20th, 2017, millions of women, men, and children took to the streets to express their discontent. We were a powerful force that was a rallying cry for justice. The voices were heard around the world demanding to be recognized. We the people wanted a more perfect union and were demanding a seat at the table. The question was posed, will the Women's March have an enduring effect? The resounding answer is, Yes! Yes! We will not allow ourselves to be normalized to an abnormal <laughs> political situation. We have reassembled today to demonstrate that enduring effect. Now, one year in the making, we are pushing forward. Many ask the question, what is our next step? Well, here it is. Today, you will hear the voices of individuals who have been energized in this movement of resistance. As we power up, let them hear our voice as we prepare to march to the polls. Please welcome to the stage our newly elected mayor of Annapolis, Gavin Buckley. This is so cool. <laughs> so um, the first thing I want to do is uh, tell my wife that I love her. Make her come over here and stand next to me. And then my two kids have got to come up here and stand next to me too, because uh, we're raising two feminists right here. and kids and all the sacrifices they made for us to get to this point. My wife was a single mother for a, a year or two and it's even worse now I think. So, um, But uh, it's a team effort in everything you do. And then I want to thank everybody that's out here because um, I'm here because of you guys, um, because you wanted change. You were sick of the status quo, we were disappointed with our politicians and the way they're doing things. And so I think uh, our election sent a great message that this is how you take back communities. You take back communities locally. Because and I truly believe local municipalities, are, uh, you know, local townships, this is where we're going to be standing up for other people, standing up for the environment, standing up for the arts. And I just thank you so much um, for being out here. It seems like just the other day that I drove my wife to Washington, D.C., Dropped her off on the beltway and she made her way into town. And, uh, and, uh, 
And uh, she was on a high for a month after that event. So and I know you're all there too. It, it was <laughs> the most amazing thing to watch. And so I'm not going to talk for long, but I, I love what I'm seeing. Um, I love it that we're not being defined by, by fear and by greed, that you are defining us by hope uh, and opportunity and, and, and justice for all. We're going to fight for that. I'm going to fight for that. I have to make you proud, you know. Uh, talk is cheap. Politicians talk a lot. Um, but you have to see in my actions that we're going to make this town different. So thank you so much. I love you all too. And, uh, I'll step aside. How are you? It's Allie. How are you doing, ladies and gents? All right. Give the people who come up here your support because they need it. And this is a sisterhood. You are here to support sisters. All right. All right. So the next, the next sister that's coming up is Judge Claudia Barber. Reverend Dr. William Barber once said, the greatest response to political and policy curses is to build a powerful movement that blesses, liberates, and brings truth, love, and justice, and redemption to the nation and the world. Today, we are that movement. We are change makers. We are change agents. We are fighting the good fight. There is no room for hatred, and there is no room for bigotry. We seek justice. We seek justice now. For 367 years, there's never been any woman of color serving as a judge on the circuit court for Anne Arundel County. That statistic needs to change. We must make it happen. Let's keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so much, Claudia Barber, for shedding light on what we know is a problem, and we hope that we can continue to push for change. Next up to speak to us is Diana Phillip. She is the Executive Director of NARAL Pro-Choice Maryland. When I say repro, you say justice. Repro. Justice. Repro. Justice. Repro. Justice. Repro. Justice. Awesome. All right. We're here about reproductive freedom. And reproductive freedom is inclusive of three things. Reproductive health. Those health options that we should have in all our communities in order to form the families that we want. Reproductive rights, which is laws and policies that allow us to access that health care. And reproductive justice, which is a social, economic, environmental, criminal justice reform in order for us to be able to form our families. And we're talking about when, if, and how we form our families and having the, the safety, the dignity, and the health to actually parent the families that we're forming. And that is reproductive justice. During this session, I want you to watch what's going on in the State House. You need to see if your legislators are committed to these values. All right? And then after session, that should inform you the ballot box, the primary, and the general election in November. So the things that we're working on this session, 24-7 access to emergency contraception on college campuses. 
allowing non-exempt and exempt workers that are pregnant simple accommodations for them to do their jobs and not be pushed into paid or unpaid leave. We convened a coalition called Reproductive Justice Inside to look at the sexual reproductive health care being provided to inmates and detainees in the state of Maryland. We have a bill that's coming down the pike that's going to talk about if you are, have a positive pregnancy test, you shall be given a written policy about what health care you should be provided while you're inside. That includes a healthy pregnancy, labor delivery, includes miscarriage management, abortion care, pregnancy te- testing during your pregnancy, and uh, pregnancy testing for um, options counseling. Sorry. There's so many things that I talk about every day when I'm here, and that's not the only bill. We have a bipartisan bill right now that's doing really well to make sure that free and adequate supplies are provided to inmates and detainees for their menstrual hygiene products. Believe it or not, women are not getting enough supplies to get for the month. A very simple thing, but we believe that this is actually a result of the Hope Administration saying to all the departments that they need to cut costs, and menstrual hygiene products happen to be one of them. Right. So, seriously, I want you to look at all the bills that are coming down the pike. The fight for 15 is important because we want people to be able to have the economic stability to add or form to their existing families. The Rick Survivor Family Protection Act is about to have its vote, allowing Rick survivors to terminate the rights of their rapists for the children that might be conceived in a sexual assault. There's so many great bills that actually contribute to reproductive justice. Thank you so much for coming out today. I hope that you will listen to what's going on in the State House and act accordingly. We've got our signs, and if you need them, I'm sure somebody can hear you. Thank you. Hey, guys. So our next speaker, look look out for her because she is out on these streets pounding for social justice. Um, She's a member of the Caucus of African American Leaders. Here's Vicki Gibson. Thank you. I just want to, um, well, something that's catching my eyes is diversity, strength, inclusion, justice. I think it's really important for people to think about why is it important for there to be diversity? If you think about it, what would it, how, how would life be if everything tasted like vanilla? Or what would you be able to see if everything was covered with snow? You wouldn't. You'd be snow blind. We, we don't want to walk through life in a fog of snow blindness. You know, you want to have the, the vibrancy that diversity brings to the table. And it's not just people of different ethnicities. It's men and women because the perspectives are different. So it's it, it's almost like um, <laughs> it's almost as if we're with with all the rhetoric, rhetoric of the current administration, we're moving in the direction of of a, a perverted version of the Handmaid's Tale. I, I don't want to walk down the street having to say, blessed be the fruit, or blessed be the silent. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong when someone exercises their right to run for office, like Claudia Barber did, and, and because she was a black female, and there have never been any black females on the circuit, count, uh, circuit court of Maryland. 
I'm not Maryland, but um, Anne Arundel County. Because of that, they didn't just try to beat her in office. They tried to crucify her. She didn't deserve that. We don't deserve that. I want us to, you know, to take this as an opportunity to support those that have initiated this process or create your own process. Whatever it is that you think that you can contribute, do it. Because like my grandmother used to always tell us is that many hands make light work. It's critical that you get out and you contribute. Even if it's just five minutes, that's five minutes that wouldn't have been there if you hadn't made that contribution. And what's absolutely critical is to remember that this is an important year that it, everybody's vote will count and will make a difference. We've sent a message in Alabama. Let's send a message in Maryland. Let's send a message in D.C. Thank you. Thank you, Vicki Gibson, for inspiring us to get out there and vote. And that's what today is all about, getting us ready to activate our electoral process and getting inspired to vote in this electoral season. Our next speaker is from the ARC Maryland. Her name is Andy Culp, and she is the executive director. Hey, good morning. So the ARC Maryland is the largest statewide advocacy organization dedicated to protecting and furthering the rights of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. In Maryland, there's more than 93,000 people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So that's about one in 62 of us. If you look around, and gather a group of 60 people in your mind, one person in that group has an intellectual and developmental disability. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that each of us knows or has someone in our family or a neighbor or works with somebody with an intellectual and developmental disability. It's something that transcends race, color, gender, and everything else. Uh, NPR recently did a study, though, on the, of, on the prevalence of sexual assault against people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and found that women, well, men and women, but women to a higher degree are victimized seven times more often than people without disabilities sexually victimized. Um, there's an epidemic of sexual abuse against people with intellectual disabilities in society, but these crimes go mostly unrecognized, unprosecuted, and unpunished. Because of an intellectual disability, people tend not to believe the victims of sexual assault and assume they're not credible. And I think this speaks to a continuing problem in our society and our expectations of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. People with disabilities are still mocked and devalued at even our highest levels of government. Critical community programs that support people with disabilities to live and work are historically underfunded and the workforce who provide care and assistance to people with disabilities is dwindling. So where are we going? The only way we can start to heal and put an end to crimes against our fellow citizens starts with us. We must expect and respect ability of people with disabilities because expectations matter. So I ask you to join your neighbors, brothers, coworkers, friends, family members, fellow Marylanders to put an end to the discrimination and devaluation of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and join together to ensure that every citizen has and enjoys equal rights and opportunities in our great city of Maryland. Disability rights are human rights.
It's always great when we can get our young youth up here. So you make sure that you support and pay attention because they are our future and they know where we're headed or where we're going and we need to pay attention and follow. Come on, my man. My name is Maheen Haq, and I am a Muslim American. And contrary to what you might believe, these two things are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> At age 10, uh, I think in the fifth grade, I was called a terrorist, diaper head, and Osama's daughter. At Age 13, I was told that I couldn't play in a basketball game because of my headscarf. At age 16, my cousin was beaten on the side of the road for wearing a headscarf until her ribs were bruised. At age 18, I watched our president tell the entire world that Islam hates us. At age 19, I stand before you today. gain, that my community is suffering through hate crimes and through injustices that our daughters and our sons are bleeding. I stand before you to tell you that my community is on fire. We are burning in the melting pot. And I do not want any pity today. I just want us to stand for justice and stand for each other because you do not simply fight for your own community. We are all burning in this melting pot. If tolerance of injustice anywhere is truly a threat to justice everywhere, then silence must be the greatest of sins. When I was 11 years old, I was biking around my little neighborhood and some uh, kid yelled a bunch of racial slurs, or a, just a bigot, he was just, called me a terrorist, all this stuff. I come home, and my little brother, he's like nine, gets on his BMX bike, and he's like, we're gonna go get him. <laughs> right, and he goes, I'm gonna have a conversation with this kid. And then my mom sees, and I talk to her, and she makes me go to Martin's, and I walk in, and I get my own favorite chocolate, Roy Roche, and we have to drive to their house, and I have to give him this chocolate. And, it is because of the way my mom raised me and the lessons that she taught me just like, the, just like this, that in the face of injustice and hatred and anger, it is your duty to be that much more compassionate, to have that much more love in your heart. Because love is the essence of our faith and love is the essence of justice. They're so true. Our next speaker is Diane O'Dell, and she represents the Anne Arundel Huddle Network. Thank you very much. We are very honored to be here. If you wonder what happened after the Women's March, we happened! 
After the women's march, the organizers sent out a call. First we march, now we huddle. Thousands of small groups of mostly women stepped out of their comfort zones, brought their individual expertise, and gathered across American puddles to get the work done. Here in Anne Arundel County, we joined forces and are working together for the common goal of defending the values and rights that make our communities inclusive, fair, and safe. We have grown from small groups of concerned citizens into a large, educated group of hardworking activists meeting throughout the county, and we are still growing. Please visit our website, aacuddle.org, and join a huddle. AMP Huddle is awake and marching progressives in Eastport Annapolis Neck. The Crofton Huddle is our newly formed powerhouse. Join Rise Up to find like-minded progressives in Pasadena. Laurel Resist in Historic Laurel educates, empowers, and engages residents to take action at all levels of government. The South County Huddle is working is working to elect candidates to the uh, I'm sorry, the South County Huddle is working for the rights, health, and safety of women in the South County community. Flip the County, coordinated by our Edgewater Huddle, is working to elect candidates to the Anne Arundel County Council who reflect democratic and progressive values. Wise in Severna Park, just launched the year bringing the voice of diverse women in District 33 and beyond into the public arena. And Action Annapolis, right here in town, has been working on voter engagement by bringing candidates into underserved communities to inform and activate voters. Together, we are the Anne Arundel Huddle Network. In the past year, we've partnered with Ellicott City Huddle and other huddles throughout and other huddles and outside groups throughout Maryland, including some here today, to work on state and national issues. We have worked collectively to protect freedom of speech, reduce gun violence, preserve our environment, defend our civil rights, increase voter registration and turnout, monitor Maryland health care, and promote legislative empowerment. Some of our huddle members have inspired us all by deciding to run for office. Carmen Skirlupka, Tracy Hovermail, and Eve Hurwitz. Look for them on the next ballot. But we are just getting rolling. There is still much to be done. If you can't, you can contact all of these huddles through our website, aahuddle.org, and join us. If you can't give of your time, please make a donation. Your help will make change happen. If you want to know what's happening next, we are! As you can tell, we are ramped up. <laughs> all right, the next speaker, you all are becoming very familiar with her. She's a community organizer and activist, excuse me, activist. And um, as the more that I'm getting to know about uh, this sister, the more I am loving. Um, she, again, like the other individuals on this stage, she has her feet to the ground. She's extending herself. She's trying to open up the doors um, for us to all to be able to, to be in a place to where it's, we can just do what we're supposed to do and just be and work together and love. And so now we are, we are the leader of Connecting Other Dots, Monica Lindsay. <laughs> Uh, hello, everyone. 
everyone. I already said hello, but hello again. Can't say too many hellos. My mom always told me that you should always speak. Whether that's to say hello or wave or smile at someone, acknowledge the other people who are in the sphere with you. So I like to say hello a lot because I like to acknowledge that people are in my sphere, that we're sharing the same space. And we have invisible walls, we need to knock those down. Like many of you, on January 20th, 2017, I took to the streets for the Women's March with my daughters and friends. We traveled to Washington, D.C. by Metro, where we were both awed and inspired by the power of the voices of so many millions around the world who felt drawn to uplift their voices. At the time, I had no idea that I was involving myself in a movement. I left the march feeling empowered to speak and use my energies to be involved. I wanted to set an example for my daughters, one here, one over there. <laughs> that resonated the strength that I knew was within me. I had awakened. Vicki Bruce. Vicki Bruce is awesome. She's one of my longtime friends who has been trying to wake me up for a long time. She started the Arundel Patriot, and I put an article in there called The Awakening. It was my first written piece in a published newspaper, and it was an example of the journey that I had taken to awaken them. Not that awakening was a word. <laughs> Is it a word? <laughs> <laughs> and wait a minute! <laughs> I did not want to lose the feeling that was now stirring in my belly. And I wanted to get involved, be involved, remain involved. I wanted a seat at the table. I looked for opportunities to engage in my local community, and I found that the doors were wide open. In fact, I found in some cases there wasn't even a door, because they were meeting outside like this valley we have here today. Fantastic. So I decided I had to show up. I started by writing postcards to my representatives, some of my friends who are here today. I, we mailed out those postcards, and then I responded to the call to host a huddle. It was amazing. A huddle meant for 10 had 40 people show up at the door. I was floored by the response. It was incredible. Our huddle group was called Women's March Regroup, and they named the fact that we were getting back together again. And then we merged with Anne Arundel Indivisible, forming Anne Arundel Indivisible Coalition, which we sometimes go by Anne Arundel Indivisible. But those are our combined forces working together with Yasmin Jameson, who founded Anne Arundel Indivisible, another crazy powerhouse woman. Now over a thousand strong and formed right here. I now run, convene, I shouldn't say run, convene, a group called Connecting the Dots. Our group is a coordination. We like to collaborate to get things done. We put together events. We're a working group, a collaboration of members from Action Annapolis, We Persist, March on Maryland. 
Anne Arundel Indivisible, and various other groups. And we come together to coordinate and collaborate. Events such as 13th that was screened at Maryland Hall. Did anybody attend the 13th screening and panel discussion? Over 500 people showed up that evening. Amazing. It's just amazing what we can do. And I invite you all to get involved, stay involved, and remember, we have to connect the dots. Okay, I've overstayed my time. I know, I know. The next person coming up to talk to us is uh, Marilyn Leeds on Climate, Joni Collette-Sun. Thank you for joining us, Jody. Hi, my name is Jody Peltison, and I'm with the Maryland Leads on Climate Coalition. The coalition is bringing together climate activists from grassroots groups, progressive groups, indivisible groups, huddle groups all across the state to fight for clean energy and climate resilience in Maryland. A year ago, I was not a climate activist. I wasn't an activist at all. I, it wasn't because I thought everything was okay. My husband works on climate change and I have two little kids, so I knew that even under the Obama administration, it was really, really, really not okay. But I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't see my place in the solution. I was like so many people, alone and scared and angry and stuck behind my computer saying, what should I do? I gotta do something. Who should I text? Um, and uh, so to those of you in this crowd who have been doing something and active for years, I say thank you and I stand on your shoulders. And to those of you like me who are new to this movement, I say, isn't it amazing to discover how powerful we are when we stand strong and stand together? It has been so cool to hear today about the things going on in Maryland and the fights being fought. There are an overwhelming number of life or death struggles taking place right now. I am a climate activist because I believe deeply in all of those struggles and I believe that they are all dependent upon a livable climate. As my own Congressman Jamie Raskin once said, uh, climate change is not an issue, it is not a subset of the environmental movement, it is the context in which every other issue will be negotiated. I think Thomas Jefferson had this funny quotation about every man who loves liberty has two countries, his own and France. <laughs> that sticks in my mind because what I want to say to you now is that every progressive has two issues, her own and climate change. And the solution here is not to convince your climate-denying uncle, although it may be tempting to try. The solution is to make this a high salience issue for activists across the board. We have a problem, which is that everybody wants, well, most people want climate solutions. Everybody wants clean energy. Most people want climate solutions. But most of them think that the problem is far away, scary, but far away, and they think the solutions are painful and complicated and confusing. I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that the problem is not far away. We are on the line. People are suffering now. The good news is that the solutions are amazing. Our technological innovation is on pace to bring us the clean energy revolution that we need. And we've got amazing bills in the General Assembly this session to make that happen. So what I'm saying is 
join us. We need you. Find us on Facebook, Maryland Leads on Climate. Find me at the rally. Join us. Do it for your kids so you can tell them in 40 years that you were part of the solution. I can feel and I can see the strength and energy of this crowd and you are the bone and breath of this democracy. It is amazing to be here with you today as we gather to move forward to protect our democracy with purpose and action. It is the truth that we can pull self-evident that all women and all men and all people are created equal. And that is why we are here today to hold each other up, to build each other's energy and to appreciate what makes us individuals. It is our responsibility to hold up the weak, to give voice to the silenced, to energize the tired, and to protect the vulnerable. And right now, it is our very democracy that is vulnerable. It is attacked at every level, every day, and it is imperative, a moral imperative, not only to yourself, not to just your children, to your state, to this country, but to the future, that we each find our passion and we find a way to step forward. And we have to work together with the understanding that it is our diversity that is our strength, but unity is our power. The beauty of this democracy is the acknowledgement and protection of our differences. As Democrats and progressives, liberals, we must make our tent larger. We must be welcoming with each other. We don't have to agree, but we must have an agreement that the protection of our democracy is at stake and we will engage each other to move forward. That we will use our vote wisely. We will encourage others to vote. We will support great candidates. We will demand that our elected leaders understand that they are accountable to us. <laughs> I grew up in a house that was a tavern during the Revolutionary War, and maybe a little of that energy and the spirit of that history took place under the beams that supported the roof of my childhood, and maybe it found a little way of its way into me, because I see where we are today in very similar terms. Their fight was to create this democracy, and it is ours to defend it. While we create... And that is why I created Informed Blue, because we must have the information so that we can be information as we build leaders and understand empowerment. Because we each have a responsibility to do what we can to protect the very thing that makes us Americans. Democracy is a muscle. If we neglect it to take care of it, it becomes weak and atrophied. But if we nourish it, we work it, we stretch it, we test it, it grows, it strengthens, it becomes more resilient, and it can withstand challenge. It is up to each of us to strengthen this muscle, and we do so with our participation. This is not about me, and it's not about you, it's about us. It's about the fact that the bigger picture is made up of each and every action and the result of non-action. I am often thanked for what I do in this effort, to which I say, don't thank me, join me. This system of ours is referred to as an experiment, meaning the results are not guaranteed. That does not mean it's out of our hands, it means it is entirely in our hands. So while it is great that we are here today, and that matters, but what matters even more is how we decide to show up tomorrow. Wonderful. Feel the energy behind that. Next up to speak, we have Carl Snowden. He is the convener of the Caucus of Amer African American Leaders in the MLK Junior Committee that started off this week, kicking off the celebrations of Martin Luther King Jr. Welcome to the stage, Carl Snowden. Coretta Scott said it best. Coretta Scott said, 
that if the soul of America is to be saved, women must save it. I want to take this occasion to thank all of you for becoming involved and more importantly, looking to the future. When we look at the fact that just last night, the federal government was shut down because we had a government that is not working for its people. We have an opportunity to turn America around. Martin Luther King Jr. once said the greatest march that an American can participate in a democracy is the march to the ballot box. In June of this year, we must march, march to the State House, march to the Congress. We've got to change the direction of this nation. The fact of the matter is that black women in Alabama told us how to do it. Donald Trump wanted a man named Roy Moore, and women said no. Let me conclude this way. Dr. King has told us on more than one occasion that when Americans join hands, we change America. Wherever you are, please join a hand with a neighbor. Grab somebody's hand. It may be a hand that you've never held before or one that you've been waiting to get a hold of. You ought to be holding somebody's hand because in America, whenever we join hands, black and white, old and young, Jew and Gentile, Muslim and others, we make a difference. When wherever we come together as a people, we make a difference. But Dr. King left us with this word, and I leave it with you this afternoon. Dr. King said if America is ever to be really changed, we must learn to love one another. Please turn to your neighbor, either on your right or left, and look him or her in the eye and just simply say, I love you.
combined and united for fighting for something that's bigger than us. This moment and this movement is bigger than our individual struggles. So I want to take this moment just to say thank you for everyone that makes me feel included. So as Progressive Maryland, we have a lot of issues that we're fighting for, and a lot of things we want to push through legislation. So we have the fight for 15, and we have women's rights issues, and we also have criminal justice reform. And I want to take a moment to really talk about what's going on in this country. Because they say there's a war on drugs, but what's really going on is there's a war on women and minorities and class. And so what we what we want to do in Maryland specifically is we're fighting for bail reform. And I know a lot of you have heard of the win that we had in bail reform by stopping a bill where they wanted to use cash bail to continue to keep poor people in prison in this state. And we said no. And we stopped them. But the struggle and the fight is not over. So when we look at criminal justice reform, we have to look at it in three different ways. One, we look at how do we stop them from even entering the system? Try to pass the bill that we try to pass is our third attempt, and it 
believe it. There's men in the building behind me that have voted against this bill, and that is totally unacceptable. So I invite you to join us on Tuesday. We're going to be right here at 9 a.m. on Lawyers Law. And I can tell you right now, there's nothing more empowering than looking your representative right in the face and telling him exactly what you want. So if you want an opportunity to do that, please join us at Moms Demand Action right here on Tuesday at 9 a.m. And you don't have to even wait till Tuesday. Pull out your phones right now and text JOIN to 64433 to get involved. Because it isn't time for despair. It is time to wait. It isn't time to wait. It is time for action. And I have flyers right here if you want more information about Tuesday. I'll be happy to do that. If you guys resist. She had been with me since I was eight or nine. I loved getting, you know, her advice for things such as what to wear, you know, <laughs> uh, what song to play next on the piano. But after my mother got sick, we had to move her to a group home because she had cerebral palsy and no one was available to take care of her at the time. Now, we hoped that she would be well taken care of at the facility, but, you know, it wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, one day... We realized a mark that was probably about this long, so probably about five inches right here on her face. And we later discovered that it was a burn mark. So in cooperation with the police, we so in cooperation with the police, we set up surveillance cameras in the room and we found out that she was being forced by sedatives. She was being beat and neglected to the point where she would yell and scream at the top of her lungs and no one would even help her. We later moved her out of the home into our house where we knew she'd be safe and we began further investigation and found that, you know, none of the workers had licenses. They were all unskilled. And even after one of the workers was convicted of abuse of uh, a disabled elderly person, they still continued working because of lack of regulations. So Evelyn passed on January 19th, 2013, and we have been fighting for what we call Evelyn's Law. Now, Evans Law requires hands-on caregivers uh, of the developmentally disabled and elderly to be certified and have licenses before they work with, you know, okay. I think that future caregivers should also be required to have background checks and a rap report, which is a report of arrests and prosecutions. So in order to protect others and our elders, for being abused like Evelyn. I ask for your support and getting Evelyn's Law passed. So to get involved, you can go to evelynslaw.org, and that's spelled E-V-E-L-Y-N-S-L-A-W.org. So you press the button that says contact the governor and follow the directions on the screen, which you 
copy and paste a letter to the governor to you know, make change happen. Uh, so you can also sign the petition on the website to get Apple Law passed. So lastly, if you know any of your legislation or legislators, you can ask them ask them for their support on Evans Law, and it only takes a minute, so together we can help the developmentally disabled and elderly who do not have a voice on their own. if you didn't write down the email address or phone number. So thank you for your time and have a great day. Thank you, Carrie. Evelyn's Law. All right, next up is uh, Stacey Korbelak from Maryland Legislative Agenda for Women. Good morning. Fungzile Malamba Nuka, the executive director of UN Women and the former deputy president of South Africa, is a global catalyst for gender equity. And she says that her mother always told her that inaction is not an option, and neither is going it alone. We are blessed to live in a part of the country that has so many strong women's groups and advocacy groups available to us. We don't have to go it alone. The group I'm here to talk about briefly is MLAW, or the Maryland Legislative Agenda for Women. We are a statewide coalition of women's groups and individuals formed to provide a nonpartisan, independent voice for Maryland women and families. We advocate for progressive legislation and policy that promotes and protects the well-being of Maryland women and their families, and provides them with opportunities to develop their full potential. You can find our current legislative agenda on our website. Just Google Maryland Legislative Agenda for Women and it'll come right up. I'd also encourage you to join us down here in Annapolis on Thursday, February 8th for our annual legislative reception and briefing. The event is free, but tickets are required and space is limited. Please see our website for the link or you can search on Facebook for AACODW and you'll find the event link there. MLAW is just one group among many here today. May we all take some time this year to familiarize ourselves with the work that is being done by and for women and find ways to join forces in 2018. United is far more powerful than divided. Thank you. to see why there were only 40 black students at University of Connecticut, where I was graduating. But I went further and I started looking at the statistics on women. And I found that white women, earnings were delayed after, until after childbearing. I knew, and I told everybody, there's going to be a women's movement. <laughs> At the same time, after the earlier, I was hit by women, and they went to work. 
childbearing, even though they were having children. Thus, African-American women set the stage for women working. Today's women's movement must acknowledge this and be sure to include African-American women entirely. While there have been gains in female versus male earning, they're still not comparable for comparable work. Too often, even today, women are not seen as valuable valued employees, even when they make major contributions. I say this is the same kind of unconscious bias that affects the earnings of African-American men and women. There is institutional sexism, just as there is institutional racism. Even when people are not overtly racist or sexist, their actions can be. The implementation of a policy by one person with unconscious bias can completely defeat unbiased policy. To get, to get beyond this in America, we all need to study about bias and how we ourselves exhibit it. We need to go further and help one another see it and call it out. We don't have to be brutal about it. But we do need to see and call it out in ourselves and in one another. It will help the men understand that they have to do the same. When we begin to recognize the sexism that is all around us, we'll also recognize that it comes from the same unconscious bias as racism. I recommend reading and studying Dr. Robin D'Angelo's book, What Does It Mean to Be White? Developing white racial literacy. The Angelo helps us to see who we really are and why we do what we do. She helps us confront our own unconscious bias. And although she focuses on racial literacy, she tries to help us see how racism and sexism are birds of a feather. You, uh, you need to uh, study this, and you'll also find you can learn how you yourself have been socialized and what you can do about it, so you yourself can stop contributing to the continuation of sexist society. Women and African-American women should be natural allies. Now is the time to band together and understand each other's needs. Work together to get this problem solved once and for all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thornell Jones. He does book study groups. He also is the convener of coming to the table. He is definitely an involved activist in the community. And another involved activist in the community you're about to hear from is Anne Arundel County Indivisible co-founder, Yasmeen Jameson. Hello. Hi, everyone. Okay, I want to take a little selfie. <laughs> hey. Um, hi. So, uh, my name is Yasmin Jameson, and right now I am proud to be a woman. I'm proud to be a mother. I'm proud to be a Muslim. And I'm proud to stand with all of you today. So, one year ago, almost to the day, was one of the darkest days in our country's history. However, the day after that inauguration was one of the brightest. <laughs> Millions of women gathered in D.C., my daughter Layla, my friend Carol, and I among them. 
Millions more gathered in the streets all over the world in solidarity. Not only did we march to protest the election of a misogynist, but to declare we are for women's reproductive rights. Not only did we march to reject the vote of the Electoral College, but to amplify the votes of the majority that sure as hell didn't vote for him. We marched on that day against bigotry. We marched for inclusive policies and to say out loud that black lives matter. We marched for our immigrant neighbors, for our Muslim friends, for our countries underserved, and all of those who feel that they have been systematically marginalized by the same rhetoric that got 45 elected. On February 2nd, I started the Facebook group Anne Arundel County Indivisible. Nearly one year later, we are 1,272, I think, strong and growing. I love each and every one of you and, and admire you all for what you do. I love how all the groups that organized after the march have joined together to better our county because this is where we can really make a difference. Groups like Action Annapolis, We Persist, and WISE, I have met the most incredible women and today I can call them all friends. You sure have persisted, continue to persist and resist. Uh, I'm going to shorten this. In Arundel County, we have work to do. There are abuses of power happening right here under your nose. Pay attention. Read the Arundel Patriot. Join in Arundel County Indivisible or one of the other groups. Stay connected to people who fight for what lifts us all up and believe in better opportunities for all. Go to county council meetings and support those that are speaking up for justice. And it's an election year. Get ready for some changes. We, we have made changes in Annapolis City with the election of our progressive mayor, Gavin Buckley, and all the other elder persons. One thing I noticed, let me just finish it. One thing I noticed while working on the city elections was the fact that some voices are heard while others are not. And I need you to hear this voice right now. We will not bow down to bullies, abusers, or misogynists. We are going to be the voice for all. So, here, I'll skip over. <laughs> and let's make 2018 a year to repopulate the county councils and the city councils and delegation offices with diligent, hardworking humanitarians who will never forget that they work for us. Simmer down now. Psych, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Me hit they people. All right, next coming up is Waleska Casiano Matos from Mid Atlantic Immigration, and she's an immigration lawyer. Please give her your ear and your support. Good morning, everyone. It's going to be hard to top that one. Uh, I am Waleska Casiano, um, and I'm here today as a mother. Uh, as a daughter, as an immigrant, but most of all as a woman. Um, I speak to you today because I want to give a voice to the voiceless, to the undetected, to the invisible nation of immigrants made in its majority by women. From a very young age, my parents back in Puerto Rico where I was born taught me about compassion, respect, helping others, but above all, Fiercestness. 
Fearless is a mighty big word, even more with more significance these days. Um, as mothers, daughters, wives, women, immigrants, being fearless is a, is a necessity uh, for survival in our society. As an immigration attorney, I have to say, in the city of Annapolis, I have heard horrifying stories that change and challenge the imagination and extreme realities that test that really test the boundaries of reason. But they have also served as great examples that there are no limits to the resolve, determination, and bravery of a fearless woman. Let me say this. I have encountered hundreds of brave and strong women that came to this country in search for a safer, more productive, uh, and a good life for them and their families. They have risked their own lives to achieve the well-being of their own, something every of us can identify with. I hope today we can take away all our meaningless and superficial labels, and we can just see each other the way we are. But it really matters, our compassion, our resolve, our fearlessness, and our undying love for our family and our country. To my Spanish-speaking audience and those of you who were too afraid to come today, but you, you, you should know that we're here for you. I am here for you. And I know that all these women, all these organizations are, are going to reach this community. No se sientan solas. Estamos aquí para ustedes. Estamos aquí, les vamos a ayudar. Somos luchadoras incansables y tenaces. We're here for you. Thank you. Thank you, Alaska Kathinomakos. The next person up is one of my longtime friends and buddies, the mother, the mother of this monster over here. She is the brain trust of the Arundel Patriot. It's Vicki Bruce, editor in chief. Thank you, Monica, and everybody else for putting this great event together. Uh, everybody, please take out your phones, go to the Arundel Patriot on Facebook, and share this. We are live streaming right now. We need to amplify the message of all of this, this message of hope. One year after we all thought our world was going to collapse, we're out and we're not stopping. Um, uh, in 2010, I was working on a film called We're Not Broke, and it was about how corporations dodge taxes and they don't pay their taxes. And I'd tell people that and they'd be like, yawn. They had no idea what I was talking about or why it even mattered. And what we did is we, we followed a group of young activists, actually not just young, but a middle-aged, every age activist that knew that this was a problem because as corporations were hiding their money offshore and not paying taxes, our schools were being cut, our social programs were being cut. Kids didn't, our, our leaders in Washington were saying, we don't have money for school lunches because we don't have the tax base. All the while, GE and Apple and Verizon were owning all our congressmen and our senators, our Democrats and Republicans, excluding John Sarbanes, who's from this area, who does not take corporate money. He's one of the very, very few. So at the very ending of, uh, of, that, of that filming, we were just about to wrap it up, and I called my friend who's producing from New York, Karen Hayes, and I said, go down. There's something happening in Zuccotti Park. 
I don't know what it is, but it could be big. And she said, she looked on the Facebook and said, oh, they're doing yoga, they're face painting. She got down there and 50,000 people showed up for Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street had messages of social justice, of women's rights, of equality, of getting money out of politics. So guess what happened to Occupy? The media completely ignored them. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, they're a bunch of hippies from their parents' basements. They have the same issues as we do and we're here today. But everybody ignored them. And you know why Occupy went away? Because they didn't run candidates for office. Today, we marched on the polls because we know just being loud and camping out doesn't work. We must be in the positions of power in order to change. Everybody wakes up and thinks that their, their fantasy, that dream that night, is that they got Trump out of office and he disappeared. Well, we can do that in Anne Arundel County because we have a county executive who's a multi-millionaire, $17 million house, who doesn't like immigrants and doesn't pay teachers enough. And does that sound familiar? We can, we can use him and everybody else.